Over a million patients a year are treated with respect, warmth, and compassion at Boston Medical Center. It's in this spirit of community that we offer our podcast series to you, featuring our doctors and staff. This is Boston Med Talks. Here's Melanie Cole. In 2016, Boston Medical Center established the Center for Transgender Medicine and Surgery. With the unified structure, patients have a single point of contact for their care needs. This is the first center in New England to provide such a comprehensive program and be a leader nationally in the delivery of transgender medical care. My guest today is Dr. Joshua Safer. He's an endocrinologist and the medical director for the Center for Transgender Medicine Surgery at Boston Medical Center. Welcome to the show, Dr. Safer. What does transgender mean? Uh, Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Transgender references people who have a gender identity which is different from their external body parts, from the sex that was reported for them at birth based on those body parts. In the spectrum of transgender identity, when is this something that's likely to manifest itself? Transgender individuals report being transgender across a range of ages. We don't really know why that is. Is it just language or ability to understand what's going on with them? If you think about it, if you have a gender identity different from the body that you have as you look around, uh, when is it that you might think that that's something that you might speak up about? So we have small children who identify as transgender with great confidence who end up being transgender indeed. They're quite accurate. And then we have individuals who identify as transgender uh, later, uh, either in adolescence or in adulthood. I would say that uh, as people gain more language, those who wait till adulthood to understand their being transgender are going to be fewer in number, and we will see more kids being able to, to identify themselves. So what are some of the barriers to health care for this community? Uh, the barriers for transgender individuals for health care remain enormous. The biggest one reported by transgender individuals is that uh, they can't find medical providers who are um, able to care for them, either because they're knowledgeable enough or that they feel comfortable uh, actually doing that job. But then in addition, uh, um, it, it is still the case that in many states, insurance does not cover some of the care and So what would you like to tell even other medical centers about caring for the transgender individuals and working with this community in a compassionate way? Uh, well, in that gender identity is a biological phenomenon. The care for transgender individuals is part of the domain of conventional medicine, and we all should be doing whatever we need to be doing depending upon our specialty. The actual care is relatively straightforward for most uh, practitioners within their specialty, that is. And the intervention, especially the hormone interventions, are very safe. And therefore, really, this is a matter of educating the medical community so that medical care is generally available. And what about creating that welcoming environment about, you know, adding a transgender option to check boxes or the way that you frame certain questions or even the way that you, you know, create that environment, the people that work alongside of you in dealing with the community? Part of education of the medical community and part of the environment at medical institutions must include uh, actual 
actually being respectful of transgender individuals and understanding uh, what some of the options are so that appropriate language can be used. Uh, and that includes everything from being comfortable with, uh, with, with use of pronouns, with understanding that uh, a person who is uh, identifying uh, with a, a certain gender identity uh, is going to want to be referred to with the appropriate pronouns, uh, and having staff who are, um, who are hip to this reality and appropriately sensitive. And what about the World Professional Association for Transgender Health? Tell us about some of the guidelines that you see that are now being implemented. Uh, so um, WPATH, which you just referenced, which is the big international organization for um, uh, medical professionals uh, doing transgender care, uh, has guidelines uh, to help uh, to help practitioners, uh, and pr- which pretty much uh, go over uh, typical. Uh, diagnostic criteria, typical treatment regimen, uh, and typical concerns for those treatment regimens so that practitioners can be appropriately careful. So then when people are thinking about actually going through with some of the services that we are, you know, here to discuss, female to male transgender individuals, tell us about hormones or go male to female. Tell us about what the hormones are intended really to do. How do they work? The difference between men and women from a hormone perspective mostly boils down to testosterone levels. Men and women have fairly similar estrogen levels, estrogen the female hormone, and, uh, um, and, and pe- while people think that estrogen and testosterone are opposite, we're a situation where men have about 10 times as much of the male hormone testosterone, and therefore for transgender men, for female male, the treatment regimen is really giving them testosterone just as we do for any man who does not have enough testosterone, following those same regimens with those same safety protocols, uh, etc. For transgender women, the hormone regimen is a little bit more complicated because what we are really doing is shrinking the testosterone for that woman from the male range down to the female range. If she has a surgery where her testes are removed, that then the, the testosterone level falls and we're simply giving her the, the missing estrogen, that's pretty straightforward. But if we're doing this with medicines alone, then we need to include some medicines to help bring those testosterone levels down. When you're also, you know, talking with a transgender patient, what about mental health and even speech and language? Because certainly if a w- female to male, that switchover with the voice is really a big deal and can cause some confusion among people. So how do you deal with the mental health issues and with speech and language? Uh, with the mental health issues for transgender individuals uh, are, I guess, a number of things. First of all, uh, there are multiple mental health concerns that we observe in transgender individuals which look to be related to the fact that people were being treated in a disrespectful fashion, that there wasn't language uh, to, for them to identify themselves, that there wasn't good care and such. And so we see much higher rates of depression, uh, suicide attempts and such among transgender individuals. Uh, but as the age comes down of transgender individuals identifying themselves and receiving care, those mental health concerns seem to be uh, less. So that's, that's one story. The second piece is that uh, it has historically been the case, and it's still the case in many areas of 
country and of the world where that uh, the entire uh, the the entire circumstance was considered a mental health issue, and uh, people had to go to a mental health provider in order to receive a diagnosis of being transgender before any other treatment could even be considered. And I think we're observing a shift in that overall uh, framework where it should be the case, I certainly advocate for it this way, it should be the case that you would go to your primary care provider and say, I think I'm trans, help me out. And your primary care provider might seek some mental health guidance uh, and assistance in making the diagnosis if necessary or not, depending upon the sophistication of your primary care provider. And so that's a, that's a second element. And the third element is even if we are in the perfect future system where you go to your primary care provider, say that you're transgender, people are respectful for you, go at an early enough age and get appropriate care, the transition is still a big deal for many people and for their families surrounding them. And there's a mental health care component that may be important for individuals in terms of going through the stresses of that very dramatic life change, even in a perfect world where everybody is perfectly respectful. That's the mental health piece. Um, if you want to go on to the voice piece, um, the, there are, I guess, two, there are two sides of it. For transgender men, things are a bit easier. Uh, I said before, things, differences, from, with differences between men and women from a hormone perspective are really testosterone levels, but that also has impact on, on tissue. Testosterone actually stimulates increased size of certain tissues. And when you are a transgender man, female to male, those tissues are smaller. Specifically, the larynx and the soft tissues there are um, are are uh, there 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 there's less there, and uh, you have a higher voice. When you start taking testosterone, even if you do it at a later age, even if it's beyond the normal age for puberty, you're still going to have increased uh, size of those tissues, and your voice is going to go down a little bit. For many transgender men, that works out pretty well. For transgender women, uh, that is uh, male female. The opposite is not necessarily so. Simply getting the testosterone down is not enough to cause some of these things that develop with testosterone uh, in their earlier life go away. There are numerous interventions that we have, therefore, to try to uh, get rid of some of them, and that includes, for voice, some transgender women doing voice training to try to get a more feminine-sounding voice, seeing as that the physical structures are not changing as much for them. So in the last few minutes, tell us about the new Center for Transgender Medicine, and, and what are some of the services? Tell us about your team. Uh, we're very excited with our, with our center here. The big, the big element are that we have one dedicated phone number so that anybody trans can call in and say, I'm trans, and uh, I, this is what I need. And it could be somebody saying, I need everything. Nobody's, I've never even told anybody I'm trans. <laughs> Can I have a primary care provider and a mental health provider and set me up? Or it could be somebody saying, I have been doing this for years. I have a very supportive medical situation in place, but I need XYZ surgery and we can help with that. Or it could be, uh, I have everything's been very stable, but I want an expert endocrinologist to review my protocol and we can help with that too. So that's, that's, one, of, that's one of our biggest pieces. Um, Part of that is the surgery, like I just mentioned. The surgeries are not widely performed across the country and, and, and certainly not in New England. And so we offer most surgeries that transgender individuals would want, including uh, for transgender women, facial feminization, uh, chest uh, that, uh, 
reconstruction that is breast augmentation and creation of, of female genitalia that is something called vaginoplasty. For transgender men, uh, we have chest reconstruction also, uh, and we do not have a genital surgery program here yet. That actually is our one gap. Um, but otherwise, but short of that last gap, we have a, a, a very comprehensive program that can really care for most transgender individuals' needs. So then wrap it up for us, Dr. Safer, with really your best advice for people out there that are considering calling and maybe hesitant, and for other healthcare providers as well, what do you want them to know about caring for the transgender patient? Uh, for providers and for individuals out there, um, if you think you have a transgender patient or if you are a, a transgender individual or think you're a transgender individual, do not be shy about contacting us. Uh, um, the beauty of our setting up this center is that we can help you at any level. If you're a primary care provider, we don't need, or, or a patient who lives far from us, uh, we don't need to break up that relationship. We can, we can provide advice and let you continue and let you continue with your primary care provider wherever you are. Uh, if you need a surgery, if you aren't sure what you need, reach out to us and, and uh, we feel well equipped to help you. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's really great information. You're listening to Boston Med Talks with Boston Medical Center. And for more information on the Center for Transgender Medicine, you can go to bmc.org. That's bmc.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.